0: It does feel hard, you know, when you're having a discussion with someone Oh, what do, you know, what do you do? Oh, your kids are all in school now. So what, so what are you doing? Really, you feel like you have to have this answer that's not just good, but is really excellent, (laughs) you know, because you've had, you've had five years to, to kind of think about what you're going to do now and now you can do it. What are you doing? Um, I'm doing, I, uh, and that's, that's exactly how I answer.
1: That was Lauren Pricer, whom we spoke with in episode one, describing a moment that so many lead parents experience. Maybe it happens to you at drop-off on the first day of school, or maybe it's not for a few weeks or even months later. But eventually, somebody will ask you, hey, so what's next? The discomfort and anxiety this question might bring up are the very reasons we produce this podcast. This is
2: Where Was I? a podcast about a parenting transition we are calling Empty Nest Version 1.0. I'm
1: Angela Arsenault. And I'm Jessica Tickton.
2: There are relatively few resources out there to support your transition back to work after taking an extended career break to care for your children. Our mission has been to shed light on this vulnerable and also exciting time to provide a kind of roadmap. Hearing from other people going through the same thing is extremely valuable and helps us feel less alone or crazy while in the middle of it. Remember Angela's car crash on that first day of kindergarten? It isn't about rushing anyone or putting pressure on you to figure things out. This takes time and reflection. And as you've heard in these past nine episodes, there is no one right way to do it. Figuring out what you want may sound easy, but after having your life upended and transformed
1: by having children, you may be wondering, wait, where was I? So let's remind ourselves why this question can be so fraught and why you might be left feeling uncertain of what to do now. You've been doing a job, caregiving, that is dramatically and overtly undervalued by our culture. The effect can be an eroding of your self-worth, a destabilization of your understanding of your own value. Thankfully, there are voices like Anne-Marie Slaughter's who point out that society has got it all wrong.
3: Caring for others, particularly certainly, it's it's easiest to see when we look at caring for for children, is actually investing in the social capital of the country for the next generation, the human capital. Yeah. And from a policy point of view, there really isn't anything more important that we do. We have to see this collectively this way, so that you, so it isn't um, it isn't it, it isn't seen as well. At home, moms want more respect. It's We as a society (laughs) know this intellectually, but we're not acting that way.
2: Understanding the effects of the devaluation of caregiving, it's easier to see why you're starting at a deficit here. After years of caring for other people, you've lost track of yourself. Think, where was I versus where was I? Amy Cuddy reminds us to find our core values, to really define ourselves in order to rediscover the self-knowledge and confidence that enable us to move forward.
3: List your core values. And
2: what
0: I mean by core values is the the things that make you who you are. I'm talking about, you know, I really value my friendships. Like that that is the most important part of who I am. It's it's the things that are unique to you. that that are just intrinsically valuable um, to you, and without them, you would feel like a different person.
1: And now for the where in Where Was I. Where should you go now that your kids are in school for at least six hours every day? On the first day that both of my kids were in school, the answer for me was the grocery store. That's as far as I felt I could get in concrete terms. And it took about six months for me to come up with a new where that involved a job. For some, thinking about where you left off, or where you were in your career before you had kids, is a good place to start. Interestingly, but perhaps not surprisingly, many of us then decide to head in a new direction. Career coach Suzanne Koonen told us that the majority of career breakers actually enter a whole new field during this transition back to paid work.
3: What I tend to find is most relaunchers end up going back to something completely different than what they've done before they left the workforce.
2: So think about this as an opportunity to blaze the trail that seemed too daunting when you were first starting out on your career path. Or maybe it's a chance to revisit an old hobby that once felt far-fetched as a potential source of income. We talk a lot about the challenges we face during this transitional time but figuring out in which direction you want to head is where things can get really exciting. This is also the part where you want to call for reinforcements. Don't think for one second that it's on you to gain clarity
1: by yourself. We really like Michelle Friedman's notion of a thought partner, and we want to qualify that idea a bit and specify that it should be the right thought partner. That person may not be the person you usually go to for support, like your partner, or sister, or lifelong best friend. You're looking for someone who will let you dream big and speak openly about jobs or situations that may not even exist yet. That's why it would be most helpful if this person wasn't likely to peg you or assign you a role that they've always pictured you in. It may take some networking to find your most effective thought partner, and if so, all the better. Because as Suzanne reminded us, your job search should be primarily conducted through in-person interactions, not sitting safely behind your laptop.
3: Always comes through a networking connection or doing some kind of informational interviewing or some kind of project or consulting work so they really see that you're capable, what you're capable of and who you are. And so what I tell people is that your actions have to match that. So if you're spending 80% of your time hibernating and behind the computer and surfing for jobs online and applying your resume, it's not going to be very effective. And that's when I, you know, a lot of relaunchers will come and say, it's just not working. I've been looking for six months. And I ask, what have you been doing? And they say, well, I've just been kind of looking online and applying online and nobody's responding. And it's because that method just does not work. So what you have to do is flip your actions, spend 20% of your time at the computer and behind the screen, and then 80% of your time getting out there.
2: It was a put-yourself-out-there-and-see-what-happens kind of exchange that led Lauren Pricer's first stab at a new career. She knew she was interested in Italy and Italian artisans, but hadn't yet landed on a way to forge that interest into a potential career. Last summer, while vacationing with her family in Italy, Lauren set a meeting with an owner of a small vineyard she would discovered online.
0: It was a great experience. So when I got home, I volunteered to help these guys out with just kind of getting some recognition uh, over here in the U.S. I haven't it hasn't been a huge time commitment, but it's been a fun thing to do. I love helping them um, and it's kept me kind of in the loop with Italy and businesses over there, and, um, and it's also enabled me to keep using the language.
2: Lauren also rediscovered her love for making art once her kids were all in school full-time. Becoming a career artist was not something she felt she could do fresh out of college, so she let her passion flame out. But with the perspective and courage of a more experienced woman, she realized that she can keep her interest in art alive, even if it never translates into her career.
0: After speaking to some artists that I know, including my aunt, who's who's a successful artist over in Italy, um, I've kind of gotten the feedback multiple times that it actually is more of a learned skill than people think. People tend to think of artists as having some innate skill, and you either have it or you don't have it. But just like anything else, it can be practiced and technique can be learned, and that gave me... A little bit more uh, confidence and a little bit more hope that maybe I could just, you know, not become a world famous artist, but make art uh, that that I can sell from time to time and bring in a little income um, and find a little satisfaction in that. So I've kind of doubled down on my commitment to doing art.
2: We love to hear that Lauren identified a couple different paths that bring her joy and a sense of satisfaction. That is what taking a conscious approach to this transition will bear. And perhaps the best takeaway for Lauren has been the realization that she does not, in fact, have to have it all figured out.
0: I'm still kind of in in this process and still kind of trying to figure out which way to go, but I'm also more comfortable with the idea that I don't have to pick one thing and and go into that and forget everything else. I mean, I think it's possible to to dabble in a few things and to keep dipping my toes in here and there. And I'm, I'm confident that opportunities will come along. And at some point I, I'm sure that an opportunity will come along that I'll decide is, is a really great one.
1: Yes. Thank you, Lauren, for reminding us that this is a process. It takes time and it takes care, which is something we talked about with both Mary Starkey and Dr. Ann Berry. It's also something that Jessica and I have been talking about with each other almost non-stop since we started producing this podcast.
2: This project was born out of our own questions and curiosity about this transitional time in our lives. And Here's a snippet of us talking about the 30,000-foot view of this series for each of us. That episode 8 I was thinking was going to be maybe the least... um, I do say important, but maybe the least powerful is the word. I was thinking, okay, that's a good idea to figure out how to organize your house. I, I hadn't really understood, kind of didn't have a, my head wrapped around that idea. And then after hearing it, I was like, wow, in some ways that really, to me, felt like the key to all of it, how you need to approach your home, but approach like with clarity And then it struck me that that theme was kind of throughout, but that when she said you're going to be a frustrated woman, I thought, well, yes, how many women are frustrated by the state of their household? And and that's a recurring thing that you can talk about with your friends or kind of complain about. And that's really the power was all here. Like, what do you want in these other realms? But it really, I feel like
1: starts there. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense to me, and when you when you said that, I love that these thoughts just built on upon one another. Because you said that about our conversation with Mary Starkey, and then I realized how well that carried into the conversation about self care, because clarity is what helps in all these areas, and without self care, you're very unlikely to reach the kind of clarity that we discovered you need to just make every stage of this process easier and more fruitful, really. So for me, the big takeaway was that self-care is the foundation, you know, from which you can make these decisions and feel safe jumping off or jumping in, you know, Um, and just how important that even that self-care even, you know, bleeds into the home realm, and that you will be a less frustrated woman in your home if you've taken the time to care for yourself. And in so doing, given yourself the space to discover what it is you want out of your home, what it is you want out of your job, what it is you want out of your relationship. Oh my gosh, (laughs) all of it comes back to self-care and the clarity that you can gain from self-care. And one thing that that Dr.
2: Rand Barry said, which for me was a real like epiphany, was there's a difference between um self-indulgence, right, and self-care. And that was a big thing because a lot of women, Say, um, or mom say, well, you know, okay, I treated myself to maybe say a pedicure, or I, I, you know, had some dessert, or I had a drink. I don't know something that seems like instant gratification. That that's different. That you makes you feel good in the moment. But that's not what self care is about. It's, it's that sustained sort of regular, um, the the thoughts in your head, the things, you, the way you speak about yourself, the things you do um, that that was, that was big for me. It was, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something you do also once every three weeks, you have something for yourself and you think that's what I did for me. No, it's, it is about that. What do I want? Being clear, finding ways to get clear with yourself on how you're feeling and what it is that your goals are, um, how to achieve them, that that's, that is self-care, but, but, I don't know i I feel like that really clicked for me, oh, you know it's not just about indulging that could be a part of it that maybe under the umbrella of once in a while you indulge in something, but the the bigger picture is the you know that care has to be throughout and and that was
1: that was a big moment, yeah, and I think i I realized that self care really is the linchpin to this whole process, which um can be alternately for me, frightening and incredibly empowering. And I'm happy to say that these days, with the help of strong female friends, and of course, my therapist, um, I'm feeling more and more empowered to find the job, the lifestyle, and the life that's best for me. Let this process unfold to discover what you truly want and need out of a return to work. It's going to affect every part of your life in ways both predictable and surprising. If you're taking really good care of yourself, you'll see it all happening and know how to respond. So be kind to yourself. Be forgiving and supportive just as you would be for your best friend. And don't forget, You are helping your best friend. You're helping her sister, her friends, husbands, neighbors, sister-in-law, and every lead parent who's taken a career break to care for their kids and wants to transition back to work. You are contributing to an important societal shift towards normalizing that career break and recognizing the true value of caregivers. We'd love to
2: hear about your experience going back to work after a career break. Or maybe in a few months, you'll find yourself in what we call Empty Nest 1.0. Do you know what you want to do? Visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash podcast, to share your thoughts. Thanks for listening.